Blog Talk Radio. Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense, Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. So 
Uh, we're looking forward to all that. And if anybody out there is having a birthday in this time of the year, let us know. We'd love to celebrate you and just say, um, you know, happy birthday and celebrate your life on this earth. Uh, it doesn't matter how we come in to this gig. Someone once said, what matters is we made it. We're here. We entered in. It looks like my I'm doing a little bit of a schmoodle here. So I'm going to refresh here and let's see what we have going on. I'm refreshing our <clears throat> studio. And we're going to have to do a little bit of work on this. So let's see. They have to go over here. And we search it out, and we say hello again. All right, so we should be good to go now. So what a day. I just got a report, and I'll start it this way, and then we'll get into our Bible study with the happy birthdays. I'm sitting here thinking, gosh, whose birthday was it just the other day that we just celebrated? I know Klaus's birthday was on the 7th. I know that um, we just celebrated a birthday, and that's how quick things are going by. That's absolutely amazing. So. Um, let me begin with this for the, our friends that are close to the Canadian border. Um, we just got this article, and I want to start it here. It simply says, truckers caused serious disruptions at crossing points between the United States and Canada on Monday, that would have been yesterday, to protest COVID-19 vaccine mandates that threatened their livelihoods and that experts warn could have major ramifications for trade between our two countries. Uh, dozens of big rigs slow rolled along Highway 75 near the U.S.-Canada border, clogging access to the border checkpoint and causing delays to protest mandates that could leave thousands out of work and exasperate problems for an already precarious supply chain in North America. Starting Saturday, Canada's federal government ordered that all unvaccinated Canadian truckers Returning from the U.S. must quarantine for two weeks, and foreign drivers who are unvaccinated no longer can cross into Canada, and I guess the American drivers would be the foreign drivers. And this is all according to CBS News. Meanwhile, beginning on Tuesday, uh, the Biden administration will require all foreign drivers to show proof of vaccination to enter the U.S., Reuters reported. Truckers say these mandates could have detrimental impacts on their industry. Um, we need, someone said, to end all of these totalitarian mandates that our government has imposed on us for the last two years. Rick Wall, president of a trucking firm and the organizer of Monday's protest, told CBS or CBC, uh, this is put on by truckers, but we are calling to end all mandates for every single human being in this country, not just for us, he said, it's extremely frustrating. Uh, displaying signs opposing the vaccine requirement with slogans such as stop mandates, stop fastest, and freedom to choose, truckers and some other vehicles moved in a slow loop between the Emerson, Manitoba port of entry and the way scales. So the slow roll protest did not block any lanes, but slowed traffic considerably in the area, according to CBC. So they have a lot of video of that. And again, this is happening north of us and up at the borders into Canada. So if you're a Canadian driver and you've come to the United States, you've got to, when you return, take a two-week quarantine. Obviously, they're going to want mandates uh, for vaccinations up there. And then there are no foreign drivers, which would be American drivers or anybody else, that are permitted to go into Canada that are not vaccinated. So 
the vaccination debacle rages on. I heard in Europe today that they ended all COVID-19 testing, supposedly, and uh, there's no more need for vaccines. Go back to school. Everything's okay. And the only question to that over there across the pond, as they say, is they must have, if that's true, and there are some reports that are showing that it is, if it's true that Europe is going, okay, we're done. Not so in Israel. Israel, they're just admitting that the fourth booster did nothing to stop Omicron, right? So, but in Europe, if they did, and they're allowing schools to open, take off the mask, throw them away, it's all over, no vaccinations, we're done. That means that something that they were doing behind the scenes all along, which has been our contention from the very beginning of this whole debacle, is that while they had all this happening here, they were finalizing the implementation of every component necessary to bring everything online, which is connected to 5G towers. And it is interesting that the 5G tower thing is about to go viral all over the world. The airlines are slowing it down because it's messing with some of their equipment when they're landing, and we're hearing that. So the predictions that people have made about millions of people dropping dead during the winter um, people were suggesting that this could be connected to the vaccination that was taken or the 5G towers going online that are going to have some kind of an effect upon those that took the vaccinations. And as, as Brian and Kathy said yesterday, only God knows. There's a lot of conversation out there, but it is rather weird that all of a sudden, now that 5G is going online in Europe, it's all over, supposedly. We'll see. However, if people start dying everywhere, they're going to need an excuse and they're probably going to have another variant, and they're going to have to restart up the vaccinations, and only God knows. So we're going to wait to see how the next 70 days go um, you got throughout the rest of January, all of February, all of March, and to see what happens with this whole vaccination uh, situation. So, uh, But the truckers are protesting. The border up in Canada, it's kind of a mess. Um, but is it possible that this evil that came that nobody could put off, according to Isaiah 47:11, um, this very evil thing that was happening is because there was something behind the scenes. This needed to be a massive distraction, and yet it succeeded beyond their wildest dreams. So this this massive distraction was to get everything else ready. Now, if 5G towers prove to be what they're supposed to, what that means, as I understand it, and we could bring on some more intelligent people about 5G, but from what I understand, 5G is going to bring every nation online, and not only every nation, it is going to undergird the metaverse, and there are people that are talking about metaverse in such a technological way um, that this is going to be a mind-blowing reality, and people are going to get sucked into the vortex of this metaverse, but it's all dependent on 5G tower networks, so the power of bringing the nations of the earth online and introducing these wild artificial intelligence ideas, well, it's all here now. It's all here. And just the minor glitches that they're finding, you know, before they flip the switch and it all goes online, that probably means that at that moment, <clears throat> you will be listened to more than you've ever been listened to. You will be viewed and observed more than you've ever been viewed and observed before. Your privacy will be out the window. They will turn everything into probably the digital currency, which we know is at the door. That's not a big deal anymore. Cashless societies are very real, especially 
with the metaverse and these types of things. So the world is going in the direction that God said it would go in. It's accelerating. It was working all along, and then we got to the exponential. And you know what exponential is. On the graph, on the chart, you have this minor little thing going on like this, and then it gets to a point where it just goes. That's the exponential. And obviously, 2020 was the exponential year of rolling out artificial intelligence and technologies that they are very aware of that will have greater control over the population. This is important to Bible prophecy because that's what the Great Tribulation is all about. It is about the control that they will have over the human race, wiping out a huge population or a huge portion of the population, which the Bible supports. Basically, by the time we get to the Great Tribulation, half the population on the planet has to be gone. And we know that the Bible actually supports the idea that through pandemic, through famine, through rising food prices, through war, that this will be accomplished. So you think we're nearing 8 billion people, 4 billion people are going to have to leave the planet, and also a slowing down of reproduction, which means the abortion industry is probably going to have to stay intact and kick it up another notch and uh, sterilization on fertilization, making people unfertile uh, through all these other technologies and food sources. Something is there. It's been there all along. Now we're witnessing a time of an emergence of these technologies and artificial intelligences that are designed to control the world. And they, it's very real. And the moment cash is no longer available, the moment everything goes digital, the moment everything goes into 5G, and that just means that everything's illuminated. Everything's online. Everything is watched. Everything is observed. We've been using that technology in many different ways, but no doubt, while it may succeed for a period of time, um, there's going to be a glitch. There's going to be a glitch. So that's kind of how things look right now, and we have disturbances all over the world. We have people that are protesting. We have people that are resisting. We have all kinds of different activities. And again, the magician's trick, look at over here. Here's the big deal, but everything's really happening over here. That's where the real work is being done. We don't doubt that for a second. And again, everything we just said is supported by scripture. So with that being said, and knowing that we're in this time, knowing that this turmoil has been going on for two years, uh, another thought about this. It's interesting that since 2020, the introduction of the Wuhan China virus, right, the thing that came out of China, uh, <clears throat> with all the different ideas and wonderments and, you know, stories that were told and narratives about this whole thing, after all this time of making life miserable, for the citizens of planet Earth, governments around the world usurped an authority over the people. Australia comes to mind um, and other parts of the world, right? Everybody felt the effect of a growing power of government. Governments around the world used their force to subdue their nation or the people within their nation. And they had people lose their jobs. They lost their businesses. They lost their lives. Uh, they have been locked down. They've put to shame, put a mask on your face. Um, and yet people that never put a mask on their face 
uh, people that never social distanced, people that never shut down their churches, they came through better than people that said they got vaccinated. I just listened to two news reporters today that said, on the, on the right, by the way, Republican news reporters from Newmax, Newsmax, uh, one was a doctor, one was a reporter. Yes, I got the vaccination, and then I got sick with COVID. So you go, well, what did you get vaccinated for? But I know that there are people that never got vaccinated, never wore a mask, never shut down, and stayed and, and just absolutely went on in their belief with God or where, whatever. They're doing fine. They're doing just as good as everybody else that got sick, got the COVID, whether they were vaccinated or not, right? So the whole thing was a real power play, a strengthening of governmental power to subdue the powers of the people. Now they're getting to a point because while they subdued the people, locked down the nations so that they could get their final components situated, right, to turn on 5G or whatever it's going to be, the new, the next thing, well, now they're letting people out. Okay, we're done, we're done. And the people are going, man, thank God we're done. And that very response is you controlled every moment of our lives. Now you're letting us out and we're happy people. Praise God, right? That's dangerous to a free society, to the citizens of this world with thousands of years of historical data of governments controlling their people and how people become the slaves of governmental powers. We've seen this since the beginning of time and to allow it to happen right now, which we just did. And the resistors are now the enemy of the state or the enemy of the global regime. Uh, And that is probably going to rise up in one way or another. God, it's going to happen. The word of God says it. And so again, these are all the signs to those who are awake in the spirit of God and are aware of the word of God to get yourself positioned properly to be in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people right now. Because if the governments of the world just come out and say, okay, it's all over. Everything's back to normal. Come on out. That means they've accomplished several things. Everything's ready to go for the next wave of control, but they've definitely dominated the people. The nations of the earth have just been subdued by the governments of the world, and the governments of the world are under the mind of the satanic powers of darkness, and they have just prepared the stage for control for the Antichrist to come to power in this world. This is all biblical. This is reality. This is what is happening. So thank God for the protests. Thank God for the resistors. Thank God for people that refuted the idea. I also heard that Joni on on Daystar Television, whose husband just passed away, that she is going to dedicate the entire month or the next couple of months to bringing every doctor, every expert onto Daystar to talk about the deception and the fraud that has taken place since 2020 with this whole crisis that was prepared. Remember the Hegelian dialectic. People in view... They have a goal. They have an agenda. They need to find out how to get that goal to become a reality, how to get that agenda to become what it needs to be. So what they do in the Hegelian dialectic is they have an intended purpose. So in order to get there, they create a crisis. Okay, here's the crisis. In this case, the crisis was COVID-19, coronavirus. This was the crisis. 
very planned. It was already simulated back in October of 2019, if you'll recall, by the Rockefeller Foundation, factual evidence, they simulated a global pandemic, okay? And then it came out in 2020, right around April, March, April, when it started to really get some traction. So they created the crises, and then they already had a solution. And they would present the solution at a particular time when they have achieved their purpose. Okay, so we created the crises. They did. Now they have a solution. And they said, okay, the vaccination is the solution. Um, the, the booster shots are the solution. Social distancing is the solution. Wearing masks is the solution. So they came up with all these solutions. And while they were testing all their solutions, they needed more time to finalize the implementation of their components necessary to take the next step or achieving their goal, which is to monitor the entire world through 5G and fifth generation power. And we don't know how, where that's going to take everything. We don't know the high energy frequency outputs that are going to happen through these towers, but we do know that it is going to have the potential to bring everything up out of the shadows and everything to the exposed eyes of the all-seeing eye of Illuminati, right? So the Illuminati, all-seeing eye, is now watching all the people of the earth. Now, to continue the control, there are those during this time who have been monitored and viewed as resistors. They've already be attempted to control the narrative. So all the resistors of what just happened, they are the ones that need to be dealt with. And so the idea of dealing with them, they can't let them just kind of hang around in their new world order society they have got to monitor them. They have got to silence them. They have got to deal with them. And this is where I believe the great tribulation, persecution, stigmatization is going to begin this year, and it's going to grow exponentially into what the Word of God actually declares. The rest of the world will be worshiping the beast. Remember, the rest of the world is going to worship this end-time government, this power source. They're going to say, who can make war with this one-world government? And they're going to give their allegiance, just like people did during this whole debacle. They gave their allegiance. They social distanced. They put on their mask. They got this shot. They got the boosters. In Israel, they got four. Uh, they obeyed. They bowed. They yielded to this governmental power, even though we saw massive hypocrisy in the so-called people demanding social distancing and wearing masks at their parties, with their families, without masks, without social distancing, going to beauty parlors, et cetera, et cetera. So thinking people actually re realize this is hypocrisy. This is not real, right? And so, but this is, the Great Tribulation is all resistors persecuted, gone. Wipe out population, bring power, bring control. We'll take the four billion and we'll use them for purpose and control and slaves and this is what the Bible actually predicted, and it's happening before our very eyes. And while it's very difficult to mentally engage psychologically with what's happening, through the Word of God, through the biblical lens, we can actually see what's happening. We know where it's going. We see it happening. Hegelian dialectic, it, it happened. It happened. 9-11 uh, was a Hegelian dialectic. We needed, to, we needed to stop the world for a moment. We needed to target Al-Qaeda. We needed to 
uh, isolate on the Middle East. We needed to create a phobia, a war, a red alert, orange alert, yellow alert, airports, watch out, search the people. Uh, the Patriot Act of getting into people's private business and their accounting, their banking. So every one of these big steps, these major earth-changing events are all part of, all right, we've got to get some control, so let's have an event. They create the crisis, they bring the solution, we go to war, but they've already, through quiet means, got into everybody's business. Well, that's the first step. Now this last step has been huge with the implementation of 5G towers that is going to bring everything crackling crystal clear all over the world. It's going to be a real big brother world society with the constant narrative. Remember 1984, every morning, every afternoon, every evening, the message coming through loud and clear, getting the people to admit that two plus two is three, getting them to admit that two plus two is three. And until the people admit it that two plus two is three, they're going to be tortured. They're going to be vexed. They're going to be irritated, annoyed, harassed. It's going to be a continual mind control narrative, narrative, narrative. Now, right now, thank God for the United States of America, where there's been resistance, warfare, fighting. And some people say that eventually, because there's, there's, they won't stop, it's going to get into internal revolution. I happen to believe that for many years, that we would be brought to a civil war. That's a revelation of where I think things are going in our country, because a house divided cannot stand, and there's no way that you take away the physical violence of what is going to become reactionary to the control that's going to get stronger and stronger. And some people are witnessing it, and yet it's very cautious. Joe Biden got up yesterday and said, I wouldn't bet against America. America is getting ready to see its finest days. Speeches that they all make, bare speeches, garbage. It's not true. Um, we are in trouble. The nations of the earth are in trouble. We've come to a biblical time in the economy of God. And if you don't recognize it as a Christian, you're going to believe everything they say in the news media, which is a joke. And everything that they're doing behind the scenes is a joke. It's all made up. It's all fake. It's all fictitious. It's Marxist. It's socialist. It is, it is so blinding in the deception, the only source of truth we have is the Word of God. And I want to get into it just a little bit today uh, as we talk about these issues. So that was one of the, um, you know, the articles that I wanted to get shared out there. And I want to go to, um, back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I want to answer a question, and then we'll tie this in, because we're going to look at the trumpets here in just a moment. Um, First uh, Thessalonians, I asked this question yesterday, and uh, we were looking for an honest answer, because it's something that in the back of my mind that when I've read these scriptures, this one always kind of made me go, hmm, I wonder about that. And I'm referring to First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 15, where in the dialogue, <clears throat> In the dialogue or in the letter that Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, he said this in verse 15. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. Now, when I saw that, it made me realize, it made me think that, well, this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord must have spoke this, or the Lord 
must have said this. Okay, because that's what it's saying. This we say to you by the word of the Lord. Well, that was one idea, right? One potential, you know, uh, uh, possibility of this, the Lord said this, therefore we must be able to find it in the scriptures. Um, and then it went on to say, here's what he said, that we which are alive and remain, we which are alive and remain, this is Apostle Paul saying Jesus said this, we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. All right, so this whole part of chapter 4 in 1 Thessalonians was about the resurrection. It was never about a rapture. It was all about people that died and to comfort people who lost their loved ones. The entire chapter was about the resurrection of the dead. And Paul was comforting the people saying, if you lost somebody that you loved and they loved the Lord, don't worry about it. They are going to resurrect when the Lord returns. And they are going to, it says that, uh, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Now, the question is, well, where did Jesus actually say that? And you read in Luke chapter 21, you read in Mark 13, you read in Matthew 24, and in those predominant themes, you really can't find where Jesus said that the dead in Christ will rise, and then those alive and remaining will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. What we do find in Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, is where Jesus actually talks about when he comes, this is the, always talking about the coming of the Lord, when he comes in the clouds, he sends his angels with the trump, the voice of the archangel, the trumpet blast, and he sends his angels to gather together his elect. We get that. Matthew, Jesus said it in Matthew. He said it in Mark, right? He said, he said this, that after the tribulation, sun, moon, and stars will be darkened, powers of heaven shaken, then they shall see the sign of the man coming in the clouds of heaven, and then, you know, he sends his angels to gather together, to harvest his people from one end of heaven to the other. That's what the Lord said. So what is Paul saying here? This we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord, now he's talking about the live and remaining ones, shall not prevent them the resurrection. Where do we get that from? Well, let's go to 1 Corinthians 15, and then I want to read what the commentary here says. So 1 Corinthians 15, 51, here's what we have to begin to accept what Paul is sharing and what he is saying. And it's in verse 51 where he says, 1 Corinthians 15, 51, Behold, I show you a mystery. Now, if the Apostle Paul is going to show the church at Corinth a mystery, it is something that was revealed unto him. And that's not a far stretch, okay? And I want to just stop here for a moment. I want to look at the word mystery, but I want us to remember, and I believe it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Let me just confirm this. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, 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 it's not. Okay, so it's um, 1 Corinthians. So just prior to him saying this, 
In 1 Corinthians, Paul wrote in verse 11, I believe it was, or was it chapter? Oh, bummer. Okay, so it's going to be 2 Corinthians chapter 10, isn't it? Yeah, Lord, show me where it is, please. Nope, it's not there either. Okay, remember where chapter 12, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Okay, I want to connect this to 1 Corinthians 15. And here's what Paul said. I want you to notice something about the Apostle Paul's life. In 2 Corinthians 12, 1, he said, It is not expedient for me, doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. So Paul is saying in his journey with God, his journey with Jesus, that he would come to visions and revelations of the Lord. He said, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell. God knows. Such a one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knows, how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one will I glory. Yet of myself I will not glory, but in my infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he sees me to be, or that he hears of me. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Now we get into all of that. And why am I reading that? Because as we go back to 1 Corinthians 15, Paul was constantly walking in the Spirit, He was having visions and revelations on the ship in Acts chapter 27 and 28. Angels were visiting him by his bedside. Paul was wide open to the spiritual realm of God. And the wisdom and the revelation and the visions and the angelic instruction that came to his life was very real. So in 1 Corinthians 15, 51, where he says, Behold, I show you a mystery. He's saying something was revealed to me by the Lord. And now Corinthian church, church of Corinth, I'm going to reveal it to you. Now, what is a mystery? Behold, I show you a mystery. The word mystery is the mysterion, okay, pretty close to what we have here. And what it basically talks about is to shut the mouth, okay, a mystery is to shut the mouth, a secret, okay, through the idea of silence imposed by initiation into religious rites, this is a mystery. A mystery talks about a hidden thing. It talks about uh, just secrets, the secret will, uh, the counsels which govern God in dealing with the righteous. So we basically know what a good mystery is. It's a whodunit. You know, what is it? What's the secret? What is it that nobody's really seeing? Paul is saying to the church at Corinth, I'm going to show you a mystery. Something that was revealed to him. So back in Thessalonians where he says, this we say to you, okay, so if I go back to uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, gosh, what's going on there? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 15, for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, 
Now, the commentary in Thessalonians 4, 15, says this. What does Paul mean when he says, this we say unto you by the word of the Lord? Praise God. Somebody asked the question. This was either something God revealed directly to Paul, which we know he had many visions and revelations, that he had such a, so, so many of them, he had to be given a messenger to keep them humble, okay? Or it was a teaching of Jesus that had been passed along orally by the apostles and other Christians. Now, you know and I know that not everything that Jesus said or taught was recorded in the, in the Bible. In fact, the apostle John said that there were so many other things that Jesus did that not all the books in the world could contain the things he said and the things that he did. Somewhere, the Apostle Paul had a revelation, and maybe it was through the oral tradition of the apostles that they shared with him at some point that were not written in the Bible, but in 1 Corinthians 15, he comes out with this and says, I'm showing you a mystery. And what is the mystery? We shall not all sleep. And that word sleep there, just for those that like to study a little bit, is the koima or the koimea or the koimeo. And this word, the koimeo, is to put to sleep, to slumber, or to decease, to be dead. All right? So we know in context what Paul was talking about is people are dying in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, obviously, This we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep or those who have died. The whole chapter from 13 on in Thessalonians is about the resurrection of the physically dead. Okay, that's very clear. So back to 1 Corinthians 15, I show you a mystery. Something's been shared with me, either by oral tradition of the apostles, something Jesus said, or it was revealed by revelation to me. And I'm now sharing it because it's a mystery to many. So now I'm sharing the mystery with you, and here it is. We're not all going to die. Not all people are going to die. But we shall all be changed. Now that word changed is the alasso, and it means to change or to exchange one thing for another, literally to transform. Okay? And it means to make different. So we're all going to be made different. The dead and the living, and listen how Paul says it. Here's the mystery. He's telling now, and you say, where did you get this information, Paul? Well, either Jesus had told the apostles, the apostles passed it on to him, things that were not written in the scriptures, because we can't find this in the scriptures, written by Jesus exactly this way, or it's something revealed to him by the Spirit because of the visions and revelations that he's had, but he's now revealing it, so it's authentic. And he said, this is how the change is going to come. This is how we're all going to be made different. Okay, we shall not all sleep or die, but we will all be changed. How? In a moment. Okay, so this was told to Paul. He's now revealing it to the church, now being revealed to us. We're going to be changed in a moment. That word moment is the Greek word atomos, where we get our English word an atom, A-T-O-M, like an atom bomb. All right? So this is the word atomos, and that word atomos means something that cannot be cut in two. 
or divided. It is indivisible. In other words, this change that Paul's talking about is going to happen in an indivisible time. Uh, It's going to be in a place where you're not going to be able to say uh, it's over here or here it comes over there. It's going to happen so fast that it's indivisible. There's just no way to measure it. And that really speaks of what this definition is. It means uncut, unmeasurable. So you cannot measure the moment. So the word moment is the atomos, an atom of time, a very small, indivisible, uncut period of time, not a second, not a nanosecond. It's beyond that. It's the moment, okay? And so Paul says, that we're all going to be changed, the dead and the living at the coming of the Lord, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, okay? The twinkling of an eye, and that word twinkling is the prepay, and it means uh, just a heartbeat, just a beat, a moment of time. Uh, by It talks about an instant or a jerk of the eye, okay? So this is the twinkling. This is how fast it's going to happen. The moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last Trump. All right, so that's very important to understanding the mystery. Paul says that it was revealed to him that the, um, he says, at the, at the last trump, so we need to discover the trumps, for the trumpet shall sound. Now, this trumpet Jesus talked about and Paul wrote about to the Thessalonians, to the Corinthians, This trumpet is really everywhere in Scripture. And he says, For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. So the trumpet shall sound, the dead shall be raised incorruptible, the dead, and we shall be changed, the living. This is what he's saying. Paul is saying that in the Atamos moment, the indivisible time, the trumpet will sound, okay, for the, and the dead will rise. This is the mystery. This is what God showed him. This is what the Spirit revealed to him. This is the oral tradition of the apostles that was given to him, okay? He's got the mystery. He called it a mystery, something that wasn't open and evident to everybody the way it was said earlier where people could actually look at it. He's got the mystery. <clears throat> and what is it? The trumpet will sound. The dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal shall put on immortality. Now, earlier in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul was talking about the glorified bodies that the believers are going to receive in the resurrection and in the translation. So when we go back to 1 Thessalonians and we read, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, it was a mystery, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord, which is immediately after the tribulation, according to Matthew 24, 29, shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. There's that trumpet. And the dead... In Christ shall rise first. So that was the mysterious thing that Jesus didn't openly say. And yet, it was something that was revealed that was never written in Scripture. But there it is. He's telling it. Here's the mystery. 
The Lord returns, same coming of the Lord that they were talking about, the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Okay, Matthew 24. Let me just peek over there and just show that trumpet again in Matthew chapter 24. And I'm going to start in verse 29. Matthew chapter 24, verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, the moon shall not give her light. These are the words of Jesus. The stars shall fall from heaven, the powers of the heavens shall be shaken, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. He shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. All right. So Jesus was talking about this event. There were some mysterious things, some hidden things, some secret things, like the resurrection of the dead. Jesus does not mention it here. Okay? So he, he says that there will be, uh, you'll send They'll see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven, which is consistent all the way through, with power and great glory. He shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. That's consistent in Thessalonians and Corinthians. They shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from the one end of heaven to the other. So gathering together, this is going back to Thessalonians. The dead will rise. We will be caught up and we'll all be with the Lord forever. That's the gathering. So the resurrection of the dead, the harpazo, the being caught up to meet the Lord in the air, those alive, this is the gathering. This is the harvest. This is the ingathering. So Jesus doesn't say it, that the dead will rise, but he reveals it to Paul, maybe the other apostles who revealed it to him as well. So Paul has visions and revelations. He gets the whole picture. When the Lord returns and the trumpet sounds, the dead in Christ are going to rise those alive and remaining at the coming of the Lord will be caught up to meet the Lord. And both the dead that rise and the living that are caught up are going to be changed in a, in a moment into their glorified bodies that will never die again. Now, we're not trying to force circles into squares here. This is the only obvious explanation for what the mystery was that Paul was revealing to the church at Corinth and writing to the church at Thessalonica. This is the mystery. It's all about the same thing Jesus talked about in greater detail. And Paul got the revelation. When the Lord returns and that trumpet blasts, the shout of an archangel, the dead will rise. And those alive and remaining will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So that's really important to our thinking. And again, we have this word of Jesus that this event happens immediately after the tribulation of those days. And what I loved about what Brian said yesterday is that immediately after the tribulation, you have these things happening. Um, the sun is darkened. The moon shall not give her light. The stars will fall from heaven. The powers of the heavens shall be shaken. So there, we don't know how much time that's going to take. So we don't, no man knows the day or the hour when Christ will return and the trumpet will blast. But we know it's after the tribulation but right after the tribulation, there are some things going on. Sun, moon, star events, right? Powers of heaven being shaken. And that's why 
after this whole thing, something's going to change in the atmosphere. And those that have endured to the end of the tribulation period, which was a three and a half year tribulation, 42 months, 1260 days, um, you know, this is, you know, it's like it's over. That time period's over. Now something's happening to the sun, moon, and stars, and there's an observation and an anticipation because we should know now at any moment after this tribulation period, now we should be ready, ready, ready like we've never been ready for, for the Lord to return. Right now we're getting ready to enter into the great tribulation. The church is getting ready to get into the end-time Bible prophecy of all end-time Bible prophecies. And that's what we're preparing for right now. And because of a, a lack of understanding and doctrine, there are people thinking they're getting ready to be raptured out of the earth. And that's not consistent with what the Word of God says. So we've got to unveil these things, and we have to bring light to these things that right now what all believers around the world should be preparing for that are alive and remaining is going into the Great Tribulation period. How are we going to march through the next 42 months when it begins? Okay? When it begins. And then to realize as we endure to the end of the tribulation period, immediately after that, things are going to start happening. Now we're looking up for our redemption draws nigh, and the Lord is going to come in the clouds. Now we have an exact time where we can look at it. Right now, we cannot, we cannot prepare. The Lord's going to come right now at any moment because the great falling away has to happen in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. The man of sin has to come on the world stage, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Um, all these things have to happen. The tribulation has to happen. So it, I would love to be looking up right now that Jesus is coming in the clouds any moment, but that's not the roadmap of Scripture. The roadmap of Scripture is when you see these things begin to come to pass, flee to the mountains. A woman is going into the wilderness. Flee to Goshen. Find your refuge. Get ready to go through where you won't be able to buy or sell. There's a mark of the beast that's going to be implemented all over the world. And through modern technology, we'll know who did and who didn't. And those who don't are going to be persecuted and killed, whoever doesn't take the mark. And this is where, if we're in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people right now, there are those who will be kept from the hour of tribulation that's coming on the whole earth, the hour of temptation and trial. There are those that are going to be hidden in the wilderness for three and a half years. There are those that are going to enter into their chamber, shut the door till the indignation be overpassed. Types and shadows of what God is saying. God will protect some people during the great tribulation. They will be nurtured and cared for, according to Revelation chapter 12, in the wilderness for three and a half years while the tribulation period goes on. The 144,000 will be sealed by the Spirit of God. They will not be touched by the great tribulation. The untold multitude in Revelation chapter 7 will go through the great tribulation and will have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb and gotten rid of the spots, wrinkles, and blemishes. That's the majority of Christians today that are going to have to go through the great tribulation. Some are going to die. Some are going to be martyred. You know, there's all kinds of stuff that's going to happen during that period, and yet there will be a cleansing through the tribulation period, which is useful to God. He's allowing it to happen, but it's not his wrath. Remember, the people of God, since the church age began, have been subjugated. The church has been subjugated to crusades, to 
uh, massive persecution, to Roman Colosseums, to uh, Bolshevik revolutions, to reformations, inquisitions. Uh, you go on down the list, Christians have been persecuted in the Middle East, in Africa, all over the world, dark ages, middle ages. The church has always been subject to persecution because the God of this world makes war with the church. It's never overcome it because the gates of hell will never prevail against the church of Jesus Christ, but it's always been subject to Satan's wrath. What we know in the last days that the Great Tribulation is the wrath of the dragon. He's furious, and he goes to make war with the woman, uh, the, the remnant of her seed, who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So we know that this end-time revelation, uh, tribulation, is the, 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 the wrath of Satan, which has always been in the earth, but it's a concentrated period all over the globe at the same time of those that are alive and remaining. People are going to have to go through that time. And some will. And they will be alive and remaining at the coming of the Lord. They, they remained faithful to God. They endured the three and a half years. They prepared prior to it so that they didn't depend on the world system for all their needs. They've learned not to depend on governments of men, which will be turned over to the devil, and they will have honored the Lord to such a degree that he will have led them as a great shepherd into places of provision during that time. This is what we're getting ready for right now. And if we don't see it and we're, and we're preparing for the wrong event, it would be wrong right now to prepare for the second coming of Jesus. Not that we're not always preparing to meet the Lord, because if we die today, we better be ready. But for those that are alive and remaining... You don't prepare for that event when that's when there's a different event. How can I explain it? I don't prepare for a wedding when I'm actually going to a funeral. Okay? And, and the great tribulation period that is coming, because all the signs of the times, the beginning of sorrows, are explaining to us. They're telling us. The beginning of sorrows, the signs spoken of the word, are telling us what the next event will be. It's not the second coming of Christ. It's the great tribulation. And if we're not preparing for it seriously, either we're going to get caught off guard, we're going to get swept away, we're going to fall away, the love of many is going to wax cold, betrayal is going to set in, killing one another, hating one another is going to set in because people are preparing for the wrong event. There is no such thing as a secret pre-trib rapture. We've already found that out. That doesn't exist. So then preparing for the wrong event could be detrimental. It could, it could hurt a lot of people, and the Bible actually predicts that it will. In fact, the people that are not preparing for the tribulation at all are going to be some of the first people to fall away in the last days, whose love is going to wax cold because the persecution that's coming, the demonic that's coming, the Satan that's coming, the Antichrist that's coming, even the best are going to be scarcely saved. He says if the righteous are scarcely saved, what would become of them who did not obey the gospel? Obedience to the gospel right now is preparing for what God is showing and revealing through his word at the signs of the times. I mean, this is also clear, obvious, evident to those that are truly awake and are not blinded by, you know, denominational influence 
or tunnel vision into the Bible and our sacred creeds of our doctrine that belongs to our denomination. No, the whole counsel of God's word is very real. You and I need to be ready if we die today that our spirit, soul, mind, and body is clean, ready, and ready to go for the Lord. So our spiritual preparation is always number one. I agree. But because we're here right now, the Bible's revealing to us, the word of God, the spirit of God's revealing to us, the tribulation's coming. You need to endure to the end of it. He who endures to the end shall be saved. And Jesus was talking about the tribulation period in Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke 21. So what about the trumpets? What about the trumpets? And again, what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm laying forth these thoughts from the Word of God. If you have a question, if you disagree in some area, that's okay. Call in, write in, and if you're coming from a view of preterism, that it's all been fulfilled, I'm not going there. I just refuse to go along with the idea that Jesus Christ already came and these scriptures were fulfilled. No way, not going there, so I'm not going to entertain that thought. And I think anybody that does entertain it is probably going to experience some incredible things here real soon. So I don't want to get into that kind of conversation. I want to talk with people that understand the times that we are in and how everything going on in the world is revealed by the word of God, and it's showing us where we're going. If you have a question that you don't understand about it, let's dialogue with it, okay? Um, and to those that may have a preterist view, uh, I'm okay with mild preterism about some things being fulfilled, like the 70 AD event, the temple being destroyed in Israel. I do believe that was fulfilled. So in that form of preterism, I'm good. Hyperpreterism that 2,000 years ago, Jesus came in the clouds with his armies, and he stood on the earth, and he cast out the devil, and we're in the millennial reign? Heck no. I'm not going there, because if Jesus has been the king of the last 2,000 years, he's a lousy king to allow 50 million people to die under his administration. Heck no. Not going there. World War I, World War II, the Crusades, the Inquisition, the Reformation, the mass murder, the Ukrainian Revolution, the Bolshevik Revolution— Heck no. The Roman Colosseums where the Christians were stripped naked, put on seats at 700 degrees till their bodies, skin melted from their bodies. If that's under the rule of King Jesus, then you could keep that king. That's not my Jesus. That's not my God. When he rules and reigns, there will be no devil, no deception. There won't be any false prophet, no beast. None of that is going to exist. And God's people will not be treated with that kind of insult. They'll be ruling and reigning. So I'm not going with this hyperpreterism stuff that's out there. And if people desire to do so, then go ahead, entertain it in your own mind, but don't share it here. Okay, that's just because I love you, and I'm not going to let you spout out those ideas that are so uh, insulting to the spirit of prophecy and the spirit of grace. But I love you anyways. Now, if you have questions, let's get into it. But I want to go into the trumpets a little bit. Because Paul did say, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, the final trumpet. So then, how do we kind of go with that idea? What is he talking about, the last trump? If there's a last trump, 
That means there had to be other trumps before it. I love in the book of Joshua, where the seven priests had seven trumpets, and they all blew together their trumpets. Okay, that's good. But in the book of Revelation, there are seven angels with seven trumpets. Okay? And each angel blows a trumpet in succession. There's the first trumpet, and then accompanying that trumpet, there are events that follow. Then there's a second trumpet, and then a third, then a fourth, then a fifth, then a sixth, then a seventh. And then after the seventh, we don't find any more trumpets. So it appears, and again, if you want to, you want to study this out together, that the trumpets that are in view are revealed in the book of Revelation. So let's go there. And let's start in Revelation chapter 8. Now, uh, these trumpets are made mention of by Jesus, by the Apostle Paul. Um, Scripture reveals these trumpets. The mystery, the revelation that Paul was referring to in Corinthians was known as the last trumpet. And it was at that trumpet, the dead are going to rise. Those alive and remaining are going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, okay? That's the trumpet that involves all of these events. All these events are within the seventh trumpet, okay? The seventh trumpet, to me, is the last trumpet. So let's take a peek, um, Revelation chapter 8, and let's kind of build on this. If you have another idea, please share it with us, okay? So we're looking at the trumpets, Revelation 8.1. When he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. Now, this is the opening of the seventh seal, right? In Revelation chapter 6, the seals begin to open. We have discovered through our research and study that we can account for, since 9-11-2001, we can account for it, but even going back 2,000 years in the historical data of the church kingdom age, the age of the gospel, the age of grace, um, the last 2,000, we can find the events that happened in the first five seals, they've opened. I personally believe it began on 9-11-2001. And the reason I believe that is because all Bible prophecy seems to have a fulfillment when Israel is a nation. After 70 AD, they were scattered to the ends of the earth. They were never a gathered nation. When they were regathered in 1948, and then they were ratified in 1967 after the Six-Day War, and today they are a thriving nation, now I believe that all prophecy can be fulfilled while Israel is a nation, because all the other prophecy is fulfilled while they're a nation. So this is my take on things, and we'll have to study that out further. So five seals have opened. The question has always been that sixth seal. And that sixth seal is the massive earthquake, the sun, the moon, and the stars. It sounds a lot like Matthew 24, 29, 30, and 31. And so that sixth seal is a very interesting situation because it appears that it is such so similar to what Jesus said would happen after the tribulation with the sun, moon, stars being darkened, um, the stars of heaven falling from the earth. There's a, there's light language. The issue is 
back in Isaiah chapter 2 and Isaiah chapter 13 and other places in the Bible, the same events are spoken of in detail. Stars falling from heaven, stars, constellations not giving their light. Um, There's something there. So the sixth seal is kind of a big question mark in my heart right now because I haven't seen that unveiled. We look into it. Regardless, after the sixth seal event, then chapter 7 of Revelation comes, and it's only talking about the two people groups. It's like a pause in the pangs. 144,000 being the first people group, the untold multitude being the second people group. We know that the four angels are holding back the four winds that are going to blow on the earth. I believe those four winds are the first four trumpets that we're going to read about here in just a moment. All right, so, because you can't get wind, you have to have wind, you have to blow through something to get a sound out of a trumpet, right? So, having said all of that, when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. That in and of itself is amazing when you think about it. The heavens go silent when the seventh seal is opened. And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Now there's a pause, and he goes and says, And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer. There was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. The smoke of the incense, which came with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before God and out of the angel's hand. The angel took the censer and filled it with the fire of the altar and cast it into the earth, and there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. What's happening in verses 3, 4, and 5 in Revelation chapter 8? Silence in heaven which is very interesting because the sixth seal is a reverberation all over the world. If we go back to uh, to Revelation chapter 6, verses 12 to 17, and we read about the sixth seal, it shakes the whole earth. People are falling under the rocks. They're rocks to fall and hide them from the wrath of the Lamb, all right? Um, The kings of the earth are hiding, the rich men, the poor men, the mighty men, the captains, the chief people, All these events are going on. It's a global shaking, right? The sixth seal. It is a global shaking. And people are terrified. But then you get to this silence. It's like, wow, that thing just hit. And now there's... What do you think is going to happen when the world shakes in the sixth seal event? The saints are going to be praying like crazy. And so what we see in Revelation chapter 8, verses 3, 4, and 5... All of a sudden, all these prayers are coming up from the earth. The people of God are praying, uh, and and those prayers are being gathered into this moment. Because this event, this seal event, is the opening introduction to the trumpets. So there's one of two things, or maybe more. The sixth seal has already happened, and we just haven't been able to identify it yet. Or... It's ready to happen because the first five seals have opened since 9-11-2001, particularly. We have evidence for that. So it's either ready to open, and it's the next great event in the economy of God, in the unfolding of Bible prophecy, 
or it's something that for whatever reason is mentioned in the succession but will be placed immediately after the tribulation period. I don't think so. It could be. God knows. I kind of lean towards that event could happen at any moment. That's my thinking. And when it happens and shakes the whole world and all the rich men of the earth and the people that are doing what they're doing up there right now, they start hiding in the caves of the earth. I believe that that is a time where they know it's a time of the Lord's wrath upon the nations of the earth in a way. And that's where the population reduction really moves into power. I happen to believe that these people will come out of their holes and they will, this event's going to take a lot of people's lives, the sixth seal. So to be considered for sure, no doubt about it. And if you have a brilliant idea, an understanding about this, a revelation, I would love for you to share it because now we get into verse six of Revelation chapter eight. So I'm thinking the sixth seal goes off. There's silence in heaven after the event. People are praying like crazy. Now, it says in verse 6 of Revelation chapter 8, the seven angels which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. So this is like mild birth pangs in the seals, the first six seals, prayer going up, and now comes an elevation of the intensity of the birth pangs. In other words, an intensification and a rapid acceleration. These now are the birth pangs beginning with the trumpet blast that are more intense. So where does it begin? Revelation 8, 7, the first angel sounded. There followed hail and fire mingled with blood, and they were cast upon the earth, and the third part of trees was burned up, and all green grass was burnt up. <clears throat> it's interesting in the, in the commentary, if you do a little cross-referencing uh, biblically, that this event is actually spoken of in the book of Exodus, uh, chapter 9, okay, uh, 9, 23 to 25. When God was dealing with the Egyptian empire, this event happened. Hail mixed with fire hit the Egyptian empire. Let's read it real quick. Exodus chapter 9, verse 23. So I'm going all the way back to the book of Exodus. I'm going to look at chapter 9. <clears throat> oh, I don't think this is a waste of time at all. Uh, Exodus chapter 9, verse 23, I think it was. Yeah, 23 says this. Let me just start in 22. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch forth thine hand toward heaven, that there may be hail in all the land of Egypt upon man and upon beast and upon every herb of the field throughout the land of Egypt. And Moses stretched forth his rod. Remember, we're in the, in the year of the rod now, the first month, uh, 11, the 11th month, the Yabad, the year of the rod, the month of the rod. We're there, and God is telling Moses, stretch forth your rod, right? Stretch forth your hand. So he stretched forth his rod heaven and the Lord sent thunder and hail and the fire ran along upon the ground and the Lord rained hail upon the land of Egypt. So there was hail and fire mingled with hail, very grievous, such as there was none like it in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. And the hail 
smote throughout all the land of Egypt, all that was in the field, both man and beast. The hail smote every herb of the field and broke every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel were, was there no hail. Now that is prophetic, right? So we go back to Revelation chapter 8, and this first seven is about hail mingled with fire and blood, mingled with blood. They were cast under the earth. The third part of the tree was burned up. All the green grass was burned up. So this is an earth event in the first trumpet. It has happened before when God was dealing with a singular nation. Revelation chapter 6, they're crying out, saying this is the time of the wrath of the Lamb. Okay, you got the wrath of man, you got the wrath of the dragon, you got the wrath of the Lamb, and you've got the wrath of God. All these different things need to be put in their proper order. Well, in the wrath of the Lamb, this is a pouring out of God's wrath in a degree upon the nations of the earth, to a degree. The final outpouring of God's wrath is in Revelation 16. We do know that. All right. So this first trumpet in the succession of trumpets is going to be an earth event that's going to bring a lot of damage. It happened in Egypt. Now it's going global. That's how we view the book of Revelation, from singularity to more global. Verse 8. The second angel sounded, and as it were, a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea. And the third part of the sea became blood, and the third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died, and the third part of the ships were destroyed. What is this great mountain of fire? Well, we're seeing volcanoes erupt everywhere in the last few years, in Hawaii, in Spain, Another one just ripped in Hawaii, an underground volcano just blew. So we have mountains. But this one says that I saw a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea. To me, that represents some kind of comet, an asteroid, an as- you know, uh, a meteorite of some sort. Um, this one is cast into the sea, and, and uh, everything is destroyed. A third part of the ships was destroyed. See, notice it's not complete destruction. The complete destruction is in Revelation 16 when God pours out his wrath. This is a partial judgment. All of these trumpets are partial. Third part of the grass. Third part, uh, or excuse me, third part of the trees. Now here we have a third part of the creatures. Big events. Have we seen any of these things? Have these things happened? Are they happening around the world? The trumpets, are they about to happen? Is there a cross-reference to that? Well, in verse 9 there is, because it says a third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died, and a third part of the ships were destroyed. And remember, a third part of the sea became blood, right? So if it became blood, we're talking about Exodus chapter 7, verse 20. So we go back to Exodus chapter 7. We look at verse 19. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, say unto Aaron, take your rod. Again, this is the year of the rod, right? Take your rod, stretch out your hand upon the waters of Egypt, upon their streams, upon their rivers, and upon their ponds, and upon all their pools of water, that they may become blood. Wow, that's exactly what's happening in this second trumpet. And that there may be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, both in vessels of wood and in the vessels of stone. And Moses and Aaron did so as commanded, put the rod and smote the waters that were 
in the rivers and the side of Pharaoh and in the side of his servants. And all the waters that were in the river were turned to blood. And the fish that were in the river died. And the river stank. And the Egyptians could not drink of the water of the river. And there was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. All right, so there you have it. You have all these issues with fish dying in Revelation, the second trumpet. And the angel sounded, a great mountain burning with fire was cast in the sea, and the third part of the sea became blood. And the third part of the creatures were turned in the sea and had life died. All right, so again, we have a similarity. What happened in Egypt is going to happen on a global scale as the trumpets blast. So this is not really unfamiliar. It's the time of judgment upon the nations of the earth that will lead to the great tribulation because the battle is going on which will lead to the second coming of Christ and the outpouring of the wrath of God. Now, verse 10 of Revelation chapter 9. The third angel sounded, and there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp. That sounds like a meteorite, a comet, some kind of asteroid. And it fell upon the third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of waters, which we just read about in Exodus And the name of the star is called Wormwood, and the third part of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. All right, well, there you have it. And again, we just read that in Exodus chapter 7. The blood, no man could drink them, and a lot of people died probably of thirst because you can't go without water with more than three days in most cases. Verse 12, that was the third angel, that was the third trumpet. Verse 12 says, and the fourth angel sounded, and the third part of the sun was smitten, the third part of the moon, again partial, the third part of the stars, so now we have the moon, sun, the stars, so as the third part of them was darkened, and the day shone not for a third part of it, and the night likewise. Now, the cross-reference to this is in Exodus 10, 21. So we go back to Exodus chapter 10, verse 21. And the Lord said unto Moses, stretch out your hand toward heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, even darkness which may be felt. And Moses stretched forth his hand toward heaven, and there was a thick darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. They saw not one another, neither rose any from his place for three days, but all the children of Israel had light. In their dwellings, mm, be in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people at the right time, and you'll have light, and the hail won't hit you. Praise the Lord. That's in the Word. Now, these are the first four trumpets, right? We have an earth impact in the first. We have a sea impact in the second. We have a water supply impact in the third, and we have a celestial impact in the fourth. Now, here's what's interesting. In chapter 7, there are four angels holding back the four winds that are going to blow upon the earth and bring destruction. So there's a ceiling of the 144,000 before those winds blow. Now, we just hear that the first four trumpets are blowing. These are the four angels with the, uh, that are holding back the four winds. These are the four trumpets. And then in verse 13 of Revelation 8, it says this. And I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, 
Woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpet of the three angels which are yet to sound. So after the four angels in Revelation 7 are holding back the four winds, are loosed in chapter 8, and they blow the first four trumpets, then there's a pause. Whoa, 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 there's something more coming, another level of judgment, another intensification of the birth pangs. So these things will start to happen all over the earth, but the end is not yet. These are all making the way to the great tribulation. Signs, we got to find them, right? Have these already happened in our, in our generation? Have we witnessed these things happen before? Is there something we're missing? Are we not getting it? Are we blinded to something? And if it was to break out today, what an amazing moment that would be. Maybe. Only God knows. Maybe. So then you get into Revelation chapter 9. And Revelation chapter 9 talks about two more trumpets. 9 and 10 actually do. And I don't want to go reading it. Well, let's read it. Revelation chapter 9, verse 1. The fifth angel sounded. Now we're at the fifth angel. And I saw a star fall from heaven into the, unto the earth. And to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. He opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. So this fifth trumpet is an opening in verse 3 there came out of the smoke locust upon the earth obviously these locusts are demonic presence okay and they're going to give a description and what do they do these locusts come onto the earth unto them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power and it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth neither any green thing neither any tree but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months. And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion. When he strikes a man, and in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it, and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. Okay. By the way, let me just say this. In the view of symbology, if you take a symbolic view, which is necessary in studying the book of Revelation, because you've got dragons with seven heads and ten horns, you need to understand the symbology. You have a lion, a, a bear, a leopard. You have four living creatures with eyes within and eyes without. You, you've got all this imagery, this sim, and you have to understand what it means, right? That symbology. Those first four trumpets that we just talked about, every single one of them have symbolic meaning to them. And when you look through a symbolic lens, it could become very easy to see that we're farther ahead in this prophecy than we would imagine. If we understand the symbolic, for example, for example, in Revelation chapter six, the sixth seal, Every mountain and island were moved out of their place. Well, in Bible prophecy, mountains represent nations, kingdoms, powerful kingdoms. Islands represent lesser nations. Well, have we just witnessed the great nations of the earth being moved out of their place? 
Was there a shifting in the island nations, the littler nations throughout the earth in the last 20 some odd years since 9-11, 2001? You bet there have been. But you have to be willing to look through a symbolic lens to see where we are, how these things could have symbolically already happened. And this is important to our study. So this here is about the opening of a pit. Something comes, has power to torment men for five months. They seek death, but they don't die. Could it be like this pestilence where people got so sick they wish for death? Will it be something else that's going to come onto the earth through these demonic locust spirits? Could be. Could very well be. Um, finishing up verse 7, the shapes of the locusts were like unto horses prepared unto battle. On their heads were, as it were, crowns like gold. Their faces were as the faces of men. Uh, my friend, Dr. Jeffrey Goodman, his take on this is it's all cometary impact. Everything about this, even the locusts are uh, the disease when, the, when, the, when a comet hits the ground and the dust rises and all the toxin and, and, and the negativity and contained in the dust that goes out. I mean, he wrote a 500-page book on this stuff. It's amazing. So another symbolic view. Um, so regardless of what these are, they had breastplates uh, of iron, uh, the sound, which by the way, the material of a comet actually carries this iron in it and material. He, he documents all that. Um, where are we? And they had, uh, let's see, the sound of their wings uh, was the sound of chariots of many horses running to battle. We know that there's a sound of a comet when it enters the atmosphere. They had tails like on the scorpions. So you can see the tail of a meteorite if you want to take that view. Uh, there were stings in their tails. Their power was to hurt men five months. They had a king over them, which is, in the angel, uh, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon. One woe is past. Behold, there come two woes more hereafter. That was the fifth angel. That was the fifth trumpet. Verse 13 gets into the sixth angel, and this is the angel of war. Okay. Um, I'm getting a little bit tired here, and you're probably getting really bored with me reading. So maybe you, if we look at that sixth one, I got to take this. Hold on one second here. Hi, this is uh, Vincent. Can I call you back in about 30 minutes? Is that possible? Okay, I'm going to do that. I've, I'm just right in the middle of something, and I will call you in 30 minutes or less. All right, thank you. Okay, appreciate that. Bye. Sorry about that. So organic, right? So let me just stop for a moment, see where we're at here, first of all. Probably lost a 1,000 people. Oh, there's more people watching right now than usual. That's awesome. All right, so we're going through this. Let me just get a couple of uh, minor views before we get into the sixth trumpet. And then the seventh trumpet is what we're really looking at, because that's when all the events that Paul wrote about in 1 Corinthians would take place and in Thessalonians. Uh, so let me just first of all say good morning, a few friends. Uh, good morning to uh, Terry, I believe, and good morning to Kevin Hauger. God bless you both. Uh, Pastor Melissa Fletcher, good morning, church. Blessed to be with you. Good morning to you. Um, Pastor Melissa Jean, uh, Jean uh, Campania, good morning. Today is my birthday. Good morning, Pastor Vincent. Jean you're having the birthday the same day Paul Schumann's birthday is. So to you, Gene Campagna, Kittleson, and Paul Schumann, happy birthday. God bless your day. 
I hope what we're doing today is somehow a blessing to you, inspiring you, helping you in some way uh, in your walk with the Lord. God bless you. Look forward to seeing you very soon. We missed you last week. God bless you. Um, all right, so we have a birthday. Carol, Carrie, haven't seen Carol out there for a long time. Good morning, Pastor V in church. God is good. He is. And welcome back. Uh, Pastor Dennis Sossaman, good morning, Pastor Faithful Saints of God. Good morning to you, Pastor Denny and Sally. Uh, Terry says, famine came to me this morning. Uh, word study coming. Here now is government and dollar collapse. All right, so Terry's saying that uh, in her studies, in her time with the Lord, the word famine came um, the government is involved in some of this stuff, and the dollar collapse. Absolutely. Uh, more Bible prophecy. Uh, Joyce Young is with us this morning. Good morning, Sister Joyce. We love and bless you and Ken. God bless you. Uh, Megan Cotton, good morning. Good morning, Megan. Blessings to you. Uh, Brian and Kathy, it also seems logical that the dead would rise before he gathers them. Yeah. <laughs> Way to go, Brian and Kathy. And good morning. Laquita Sizemore, dear sister in the Lord. Laquita, Callie, Paul, God bless all of you. Welcome to the broadcast. And Terry says, when uh, Stan Johnson said seven seals happen over seven years, seven trumpets over seven months, vials over seven days. Uh, Okay, yeah, I've heard some of that. Um, Another interesting take. Book of Revelation, a lot of us are studying the book. So those are some of the comments made over here in the chat room. Let me go over here. No calls coming in. So, again, if you have a question or comment, we always want to hear it, and we're going to go on just a little bit further now, but it is 1030. I'm going to have to reserve the 6th and 7th uh, trumpet till tomorrow, okay? That's it. So what if, if we were to just kind of summarize what we heard today and, and just say, okay, Lord, this is, this is kind of what your word is saying to us, and if we need to be enlightened, then enlighten us. We need to be preparing for the things that are coming on this earth, okay? And there have been evidences through the word of God that the things spoken of that were signs to us to get ready have happened. We need to be preparing for the right event. Preparing for a wedding when you're going to a funeral is not wisdom. Preparing for the second coming of Jesus right now is not where we're at. Preparing for the greatest tribulation to ever hit the face of the earth is where we're at. However, we're always preparing primarily our hearts and minds before the Lord. Because if we were to die today in some cause, we need to be prepared to meet the Lord always. So we don't deny that fact. We need to be prepared. There is no such thing as a secret preacher of rapture in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We just read that, knocked it out of the ballpark. It doesn't exist. That idea is false, and it's going to disarm people, and they're going to be not prepared, and that's why so many are going to fall away, because so many have played into the doctrine of pre-tribulational rapture. Then they're going to take the mark, because once saved, always saved, they're going to say you can't lose your salvation, and they're going to take the mark, and they don't know that their souls will be damned forever according to the word of God. This is another doctrine that we have to talk about. So the trumpets, the seals, it's at the last trumpet that we know that the dead in Christ will rise. That last trumpet seems to be the trumpet where Christ returns immediately after the tribulation with that final trumpet blast and all those events happen. We've just looked at five of the trumpets. They're partial judgments. The final judgments on the nations of the earth are in Revelation 16 and the seven vials 
of the wrath of God. Okay, so what does it do for you and I today? How does this mean? I'm a born-again Christian. My name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I want to live a manner of conduct that my name will not be erased or blotted out. I don't arrogantly say, well, my name's in. There's nothing I can do to lose it because the Bible says he could blot your name out and not even know it's been blotted out because he comes like a thief in the night to steal the name out of the book of life in the book of Revelation. Once saved, always saved is a dangerous doctrine for any person. We don't advocate legalism or fear. We have reverential respect and fear of the Lord because he has power to cast both body and soul into hell after he kills. So, but we as Christians need to rejoice in our salvation, uh, thank God and live according to that salvation and not do things that would disrupt the flow of God's goodness in our lives. We need to praise the Lord. We need to live an abundant life. Whatever we're doing right now, the world is changing. Everybody's kind of going, man, something's different. Understand the changes, understand the difference. And notice how fast things could come like 2020. Look how fast nations could be locked down. Things are coming fast. Get ready. Be prepared. Food, water, shelter, clothing. God has provided it because you've sought his kingdom. Now use it for your preparation. Get together with like-minded people. Get ready and have a sentence of death. If you're come to be, you know, crucified, beheaded, whatever, martyred. But remember that many of God's kids are going to be preserved and kept because they've been faithful to the Lord. And they're going to endure through the tribulation period being taken care of. It's just going to happen. God's going to see to it. So live your life. Win as many souls as you can. If that's what you're about doing, going out there and sharing the gospel, do it with all your might. Pray for your family, your friends, your ministry. Get your heart sanctified. All of us get sanctified, circumcised. The transition is coming. Cut away the foreskin of the heart, stubbornness, stiff-necked, pride, anything is stiff-necked that is resistant to the purpose of God. Don't let the foreskin protect you because of your past wounds. Be wide open. Let that knife cut, let blood flow because that's healing. Um, So sanctify circumcise. These things happen before we enter in and take the land, by the way. Uh, We studied that a little bit last night. And then find your calling and do with your life and please God in everything. You know, you may not say, gosh, I don't know what my calling is. Am I supposed to be a pastor? Am I supposed to be on radio? Am I feeding the hungry? What is my calling? You know what? Until you know just everything you do, do as unto the Lord. You're going to go get your, you're going to go, what, clean your house today? Do it as unto the Lord. Give God glory while you're doing it. You know, cook a meal for somebody that can't make one for you. Make it the best you can. Give the very best to people that can never repay you. Do the very best. Whatever you do, do as unto the Lord in a phenomenal way. You want to give to this ministry, New Wine Ministry? Give like you really mean it as unto the Lord. That was just a little break-in. Praise God. So whatever we do, do it as unto the Lord. Shopping, building, helping, working, whatever it is you do, until God reveals your absolute mission. Maybe your mission is to start start a business. And in, in the area that God has brought you to, 
you're going to start a business where you're going to have disaster relief packs. In other words, you're going to have a store, and in your store, you're going to be working with the police department, the fire department. You're going to have backpacks that people can buy with at least three days of every essential thing you need to survive for three days so that people can buy them and put them in the trunk of their car or have one in the back seat or have one at home in their, in their go-to pack. You're going to have water filters. You're going, to, you're, going to, you're going to build a store, a disaster relief store, or you're going to uh, get a pantry. And you're going to go to all those food pantries. You're going to ask them to support you. And you're going to have, have provision. And people are going to come in. And you're going to help the homeless and those that don't have. Whatever you, until you find it, though, you do everything you need to do as unto the Lord. Live an abundant life. You prepare. And it's psychological evidence. When one is prepared, they don't have as much anxiety. So just keep preparing. Are you with the right people? Are you with the right ecclesia? Have you been joined together by the Spirit? Are you walking in fellowship with the body of Christ? Super important. And um, because when you get involved in community, all of a sudden, you, you know, it's not about you anymore. It's about everybody around you. And it helps bring a lot of selfishness. And inward, inward it's all about me. Uh, when you're with a community of believers, you're always helping them. You're treating others better than yourself. You're always looking for ways to help other people do what they got to get done. A community could be a very beautiful thing if you circumcise that human nature that always is very self-centered. And I don't care who you are as a human being. That's human nature, self-centeredness. Uh, but once you lose that, you're a free person because when you're not thinking about surviving for yourself and you're thinking about others, you're a very free person. Um, you're a preacher of the gospel, man, go preach, go preach the word of God. I used to preach in Jersey city, New Jersey, one drunk man on a bench and about 11 pigeons around the drunk man, but I've preached my heart out. That's what you do. You're going to go to a ball, lift up your voice, shout, go to a street corner, go for it. You know, don't listen, don't go do that. You can do whatever God tells you to do. Win as many souls as you can go to the corner and shout out and wake up, do whatever you got to do. Do it as under the Lord. And um, in the meantime, prepare. Just keep on preparing. Prepare, prepare, prepare. I got to go. Tomorrow we'll talk about the sixth and the seventh trumpet, the trumpet that Paul talked about, Jesus talked about. So we'll see you then. All right. Until then, shalom. God bless you. We love you in the Lord. Have a super blessed day. Thanks for tuning in. We really appreciate it. God bless you.